Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things. Story number one, a follow-up to what we talked about during this segment of the program yesterday. More fallout from these this photograph that surfaced on social media. Three employees who work for a contractor or a subcontractor of the city working in a high-crime area were photographed carrying firearms oh and then there was the outrage ranging from lena taylor to um 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 you know various aldermen that were just irate how how dare how dare some of these contractors who happen to be white so because of course you got to play the race card as well how dare these people it is an insult it is disgraceful it is disrespectful that people would come into certain areas of the city of milwaukee and, and carry firearms to protect themselves on the job now we took a number of phone calls from people including contractors who talk about how when they do business in the city of milwaukee they routinely need to carry firearms because they have been robbed themselves their employees have been robbed their cars have been robbed but then you get people like russell stamper the second or ashanti hamilton they don't care that people in their communities are being robbed and assaulted and attacked they're more concerned with how it looks how it looks that a contractor or people might feel the necessity of bringing a firearm to protect themselves you want to talk about the emperor having no clothes why don't you deal with the problem russell stamper the second instead of being outraged that people feel the need to carry firearms why don't you deal with the underlying problem well all right so there's this hearing at city hall today and there's this concern what these aldermen they are so outraged that they want to try to pull the city contracts from some of these contractors assistant city attorney is saying um uh, wait a minute legally Legally, city, um, this ordinance that you've tried to write might not apply here, and you better go really carefully because you might not have a legal basis for telling contractors that their employees don't have a right to go legally armed. You know, as long as it's their policy, and as long as the as long as there's nothing that the employer the employer might be able to discipline the employee, but you, the city of Milwaukee, you know, can't infringe on people's rights in that fashion. And so now you've got Russell Stamper the second and some of the usual suspects who, again, are more outraged that people feel the necessity of bringing firearms than they are with the fact that you need to bring firearms in their community. All right. I think this raises, though, a, a larger issue, and that is the entire question of the city's policy against allowing people to carry firearms on the jobs, or at least on certain jobs. First of all, I don't think the city should restrict the right of contractors. If they want to allow some of their employees to carry guns, I think they should be allowed to do it. But secondly, I think instead of having this discussion about whether or not we need to stop contractors from carrying firearms, the discussion should perhaps be the other way around, which is, Maybe city employees, particularly those who have to expose themselves to, I don't know, danger, maybe they should be entitled to carry firearms if they choose in an effort to protect themselves. I have um, one of our listeners on our text line sent me a, it's a memo that purports to be sent June 12th of 2017. Um, Here's what it says. Attachment A, personal safety. A guide for DPW employees working in the field. That would be Department of Public Works employees. That would include 
sanitation people. It would include parking checkers, etc. Let me read you just a portion of this. Best field safety practices and standards of employee behavior. Due to increased incidents of violence directed at field and office workers. Okay, so they're acknowledging U.S. city worker are at risk. Due to increased incidents of violence directed at field and city and office workers, an awareness of safety guidelines is required to better prepare employees to respond. Personal safety guidelines are important and include awareness, prevention, and management of dangerous situations from your work environment. The best protection in a potentially threatening violation is to follow your instincts and by observing your surroundings. Okay, in other words... You guys are on your own. Pay attention. Okay, so here's some of the things. All DPW field workers must carry a cell phone and have access to a vehicle with a radio at all times. In other words, so you can call for help when you are attacked. Make sure all received and emergency phone numbers are programmed into your phone so you can call for help quickly when you are attacked. That's me adding that in. Make sure phones are charged and charging cords are available. So when you are attacked and need to call quickly, you are not out of juice. Employees are expected to follow the DPW general and division-specific work rules involving conduct in the workplace. Additional safety guidelines summarized below. Um, ensure the appropriate repo- approach to ensure safety in the field. This is how the city wants to ensure safety. Appearance and demeanor. All employees' appearance, verbal statements, and demeanor can impact the citizen's response. You are encouraged to introduce yourself by name. Hi, I'm Jeff. Oh, you want, I'm Jeff. You want me to give you my wallet, my watch, and my cell phone? Oh, okay. Uh, demeanor should portray a positive and professional attitude. Employees should avoid saying, in, uh, say, should avoid any irritating motions such as tapping pens, um, doodling, or fiddling. Use appropriate appearance and grooming to protect, project an image of professionalism. Keep jewelry to a minimum. I don't know those, those earrings that I that might that might offend you. Walk with a sense of purpose. Do not, I'm I'm not making this up, do not walk on the side of the street where people are loitering. Honest to God. All right, don't, that that might antagonize people. Walk on the outside of the sidewalk, away from possible hiding places. Limit valuables or money on your person while at work. Be aware of your physical mobility and any limitations you may have. So in other words, if you need to run when you are about to be robbed, make sure that, you know, you're you're in good enough shape to be able to run away. And the list goes on and on, and it's just kind of silly stuff. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, some aldermen at City Hall are trying to figure out how to write an ordinance which would apparently legally prevent subcontractors or contractors working for the city of Milwaukee from having their employees carry firearms. I think maybe they should be looking at exactly the opposite thing. That is, perhaps allowing city employees who, under the appropriate circumstances, allowing them to carry firearms. So, you know, maybe in that case, building inspectors, for example, wouldn't be a target for would-be carjackers. 414-799-1620. The follow-up, of course, is the contractor, uh, apparently, according to Channel 4's report, fired one of the employees and suspended two others who had guns on the work site. Again, individual employers, I think, have the right to say whether you can bring 
you know, guns into a, a workplace or into a workplace setting. But I know there's a lot of contractors who, when they do business in the city of Milwaukee, routinely do carry firearms because they have been victims. Do we need to do more to protect city employees other than saying, hey, have a charged cell phone and make sure you can run? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 1218. This is Jeff Wagner. 1221, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. How about they focus on the bad guys? This is one of our texts. How about they focus on the bad guys not carrying weapons? Why are they complaining about the good guys protecting themselves? Ridiculous. Yes, Russell Stamper II and some of his buddies on the Common Council, they are more outraged that there are contractors who get hired by the city to come into hazardous high-crime areas. The employees carry firearms to protect themselves. They're more outraged about that. How dare they bring guns into this area than they are with the fact that they need to carry guns to protect themselves from being robbed. Pay attention to what's going on at the bus depot, for God's sake. People can't leave their cars there without having them vandalized. 414-799-1620, Jake in Milwaukee. Jake, you're on WTMJ. Hello, Hi, I'm, a, I'm a contractor, and I work in Milwaukee often, um, and we, my company has been robbed. We've had our trucks robbed. We've had our guys robbed, our lunch boxes, all of that, and I find it kind of ridiculous that we have to go in and take care of the infrastructure in these high-crime, low-job communities, and we can't feel safe about the jobs that we have to go in and do, and I find it kind of ridiculous that these aldermen, who I'm guessing have never done the work that we do, uh, mm-hmm. and have never been harassed in the way and have their stuff stolen and have been aggressively treated in these neighborhoods. Because let me tell you, when I'm on Lake Drive and in Whitefish Bay, I'm not harassed. Yeah. I'm, not in, I'm not worried about my stuff getting stolen. It's in the high-crime areas that apparently the people that live in those areas can't be controlled, and they're allowed to have firearms, and they're allowed to really do whatever they want, but I have to go there for my job. Right. And, 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 and you are viewed, Jake, right, and you are viewed as, as the problem. Somehow you carrying a firearm to protect yourself when you're walking from your job site to your car, carrying your thousands of dollars worth of tools or whatever, it's your, exactly. your you are the problem because you have that firearm instead of the overall environment, the out-of-control crime. That is how screwed up some of these people think. And I don't under, I really don't understand. Most of these crimes are crimes of opportunity. We have stuff that people can sell very easily and they know it and they don't have it and they know they can take it and throw it on the Craigslist for $100 and yeah. have cash hand over fist real quick. And apparently we can't do anything to stop that from happening. And I really want to talk to that alderman and I want to, I want him to come to work with me once. Right. And I want him to sit in the truck and see how we're treated when we go into his neighborhood. Well, exactly. And how these people treat us. Right. Thank, thanks to call Jake. And, and the reality is the alderman doesn't care about that. They, they, they don't care about you being safe. All they care about is trying to get this headline, oh, this is terrible. And what really offended me yesterday is, of course, you had people playing the race card. These were white employees that came in. Well, my guess is there's probably black employees that come in carrying firearms as well because they're targets as well. Okay, now I read you, I read you that statement about the Department of Public Works. The city's response recognizing that public employees, workers in the field are being attacked, harassed, robbed, whatever. Their response is essentially to say, don't doodle, don't wear jewelry, 
make sure you can run and keep your cell phone charged. Okay, that's essentially what they are saying. In other words, here, we're going to throw you to the wolves. Okay, now here's another statement. Jeff, we were, in addition to, in addition to that, we were also required to sign the documents regarding safety. Basically, we're saying we understand that the city of Milwaukee has given us all the tools to avoid being a victim. We were also given a 5 by 12 sticker to adhere to our car window. This apparently will deter any criminal activity. We were told to sign to sign for these. They also recorded the number of the sticker so that we can they can track that we're not using them for parking. Yes, I'm going to sign a thing saying, "Gee, um, I, they, they told they told me to make sure I'm aware of my surroundings. Don't walk on the same side of the sidewalk as people are loitering, and that's going to. I'm aware that I can continue to be, you know, safe. Um, just absolutely ridiculous. Let's see. Um, uh, another here's another note. I am a female building inspector in the inner city. We are not allowed to carry even pepper spray. We do have our sticker and our neon vest, though. Now, again, you just this is the ongoing frustration that there is instead of trying to focus on the underlying problem, which is out of control crime that makes people need to figure out ways to protect themselves when they are sent out into the community uh, with essentially targets on their back. That's not what these aldermen, and that's not what the people in Tom Barrett's Department of Public Works who run it, that's not what they care about. They care about the image. Well, we don't like the image of these contractors, you know, working on a city project, actually carrying firearms. We don't like the image of that. Well, if a building inspector gets killed, that's unfortunate, um, but we're not going to consider doing things to allow some of these employees who have to work in the high-crime areas who feel comfortable with it, we're not going to allow them to protect themselves, and we're going to try to figure out how to write ordinances which allow us to cancel the contracts of contractors who work with the city who bring their employees in we don't want them to be able to protect their employees as well but make sure make sure you've got a charged cell phone 1227 jeff wagner 620 wtmj you cannot make this stuff up that's big story number one big story number two I don't think Al Franken should be forced to resign. I'll tell you why, and we'll discuss. Stick around. It's 1236. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Milwaukee retailers are coping with life in a digital universe. One of them is Bayshore Town Center. They have a new owner. So what does that mean for their future? Find out at 720 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Uh, Check out Gene and Jane and Doug. They do a great job. Okay. I, I... I, and this is an arguably nuanced view, so hear, hear, hear me out. I I have no love lost at all for Al Franken. I, I th- you know I think Al Franken since his time actually um, his time at Air America, which was the old left wing radio station, the radio network that kind of failed spectacularly, and, and then the Senate. I, I think Al Franken has been sort of a pompous jerk. I, I, I just have. Everybody knows Al Franken's background. He was a comedy writer and actor. He was on Saturday Night Live and did some movies and then kind of graduated in the area of political commentary. He was on Air America for a while. Got elected to the U.S. Senate in 2009. And since he's been in the U.S. Senate, he's tried to, he, he's worked very hard at trying to position himself as 
uh, as a serious, serious man, getting away from the comedy background, and but still using his somewhat acerbic wit to, you know, rip people, and particularly conservatives, and issues that he doesn't like. All right, so that that's the the whole background of this. He was very, very hard on President Trump, then candidate Trump, when the whole Access Hollywood stuff came out. He was very, very hard on him. All right, well, it's now coming out that Al Franken has his own history of issues with women. That The first story, of course, was from, what, 2003. He's on this USO tour. Um, the woman's story, she was a model. Um, she's gone on to become a newscaster and, and a reporter in, in Los Angeles. Her story is that Al Franken makes an unwanted advance, tries to kiss her. She puts him down. He treats her like crap for the rest of the tour because she rebuffed his sexual advances. And then everybody's seen the picture. They're coming back from um, Afghanistan, I think is where they were. They're, they're coming back. She's asleep. And Al Franken is, is pretending. To, to grope her, and he's looking around at the camera with this you-know-what-eating grin on his face. And, you know, we don't know what he did two seconds before, and we don't know what he did two seconds after. We don't know if he actually groped her or not, but he's pretending to. It is a very, very embarrassing and incriminating photograph. Since then, there have been a number of other women coming forward, five others as of this morning, who have all said to various degrees that Al Franken engaged in what they described as inappropriate behavior. Um, the one out there today, go, it goes back to um, when he was doing his radio show, 2006. So he's, still, he's not in the U.S. Senate. 2006, um, she was an aide to a Democratic congressman who was on, on his radio show. And her story is that as, as they're leaving, she was gathering her belongings to follow her boss out of the room. When she turned around, Franken was in her face. She ducked to avoid Franken's lips. As she hastily left the room, Franken told her, it's my right as an entertainer. <laughs> he was between me and the door, and he was coming at me to kiss me. It was very quick, and I think my brain had to work really hard to be like, wait, is this happening? But I knew whatever was happening was not right, and I ducked. I was really startled by it. I just sort of booked it towards the door and said, "It's." He, and he said, it's my right as an entertainer. Um, the former staffer, who was in her mid-20s at the time of the incident, said she did not respond to Franken, said she'd never met him prior to the incident. Franken was elected to the Senate in 2008. And it's, it's similar things to that. Um, it's a couple other women saying, hey, we posed for pictures with him at the Minnesota State Fair. Um, and and he he kind of grabbed us inappropriately, you know, at, at the time. So it, it's various women that are coming forward, with I think one exception. All the conduct alleged um, occurred before he was elected to the U.S. Senate. So you know we're going back at one of the I think one of the women said that it was when he was a senator at the state fair when they posed for a picture. But I think with I think all the others occurred before he was the U, a U.S. senator. So that puts us back you know nine or or ten years ago. Franken, this latest one, he specifically denies it. So this just did not. This did not happen. So he denies that. He's also said with some of the other stuff, I don't remember that. I, I pose for pictures with you know hundreds, thousands of people. I, I don't remember that. I'm sorry if I did any of these type of things. He can't get away from the photograph, though, and he has acknowledged that because you've got that, – that's not just a he said, she said type of thing. There's that, that picture. But, again, with I think, again, the one exception, 
All of this happened before he was elected to the U.S. Senate, and at least several of the incidents he says did not occur. I don't know if they occurred or not. I'm not sure anybody knows if they occurred or 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 not. You know the you know the picture thing happened because again you've got that you've got that evidence. But all the other stuff he says no, I, I didn't do this. They say he did. Um, there there wasn't in a contemporaneous investigation. There aren't witnesses that have come forward. We we don't know. Franken might be lying. He might not remember. Um, I, I just I don't know. You can't make. I think it's difficult to make that judgment. We can think this or we can think that, but we do not know for sure. And again, all this, with the exception of the one thing, happened before he was in the off in office. This is, of course, different than the John Conyers thing, the 88-year-old congressman from Michigan who just resigned, because you have multiple allegations against him of treatment of staffers that went occurred while he was in office, a pattern of this going on for 20-some years, and apparently at least cash settlements that are paid out. So somebody somewhere thought that there was validity to this. Well, now you have a number of Democratic senators who in the past had supported Al Franken, and it's basically it's female senators who are Democrats who have now, they're all coming out today saying Al Franken has to go. We love Al Franken. We think he's been great for the Senate. We like his politics. But, you know, we, we think he has to, we now has, have to resign. Let us be honest here. Part of that is informed by politics. Because here's what's going to happen. If Roy Moore wins in Alabama and is seated in the U.S. Senate, an issue that is going to be used against every Republican that runs in this country next year is that the Republican Party um, endorses harassment of, of women. And it's going to be Roy Moore's picture. And that picture is going to be hung around the neck of every Republican who is running. Every congressional Republican, every Senate Republican, that is going to be the issue. The Republicans endorse sexual harassment. The response to that, if Al Franken is still in the Senate, is simply going to be to put up that photograph of Al Franken with his hands, you know where, and his grin, and, and that's that's going to just completely diffuse, I think, that that issue. You know, how can you accuse the Republicans of being this when you look at the other? When this is Al Franken, so you, you've got, I think, part of why the Tammy Baldwin's of the world are coming out now and saying Al Franken has to go is pure politics. But I want to talk about the, the, this this bigger picture. The conduct that he is alleged to have engaged in. All right, he tried to kiss me, um, and, you know, he was unsuccessful. He had roving hands. Um, that type of stuff. Boorish. No question about it. Um, inappropriate. No question about it. Nothing to be proud of. Embarrassing. Use whatever adjectives you want. All would probably be appropriate. Here's my question, though. If the vast majority of this stuff, which may or may not have occurred, we again, Franken says most of it didn't, I don't know one way or the other, but it occurred before he was in office. None of it, I think, rises to the level of a criminal prosecution, and, and nobody referred him to authorities. All right, given all that, and given the fact that it occurred before he was elected, should he have to resign? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage uh, Talk and Text Line. Or is this a matter left to the voters of Minnesota, 
who can decide, do they believe Al Franken when he says he doesn't remember or he didn't do this? Are they, should the voters of Minnesota be given the right to decide how serious they think this is? And again, boorish, inappropriate, all those type of things. But should it be disqualifying? 414-799-1620, especially given the fact that it occurred before he was in office and none of it rises to the level, even if it occurred, uh, of a crime. At least he's never been prosecuted for it. Where do we draw the line? 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. And like I say, the John Conyers thing, well, that, that to me is, is clear. He's in office. He's the congressman. They're paying money to settle sexual harassment claims out of a taxpayer-paid-for fund. Uh, of course he's got to go. I mean, these are uh, examples of harassment of aides in his office, you know, people that worked for him. This is frank and different. And believe me, it, it pains me, and I'm not trying to defend Al Franken's conduct, where do we draw the line? 414-799-1620. And I would be particularly interested in, in female points of view on this question. Um, you know, boorish, yes, but that does is it disqualifying? He tries to kiss this woman in 2006, you know, as she's leaving his radio studio. All right, should that mean he, he can't be a U.S. senator in 2017? It's 12.50, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Look, I, 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 I'm I, not going to defend Al Franken. I mean, I, I, I haven't liked Al Franken from his days back on Saturday Night Live. I think he's a, a pompous jerk. Um, you now have a number of Democrats, for the first time, pretty much most of the women in the Senate, um, Democratic women in the Senate, calling for him to resign over allegations of what I think we would all agree, if true, is boorish you know, behavior almost all of which occurs before he is in the Senate. Here, you know, trying to, you know, grab a woman and, and have her kiss him. Um, you know, mugging for the, the camera with his hands, you know, where they, they shouldn't be. All that type of stuff that occurs, you know, before he even runs for the U.S. Senate. And I guess I'm, I am, what I am wrestling with legitimately is, is where we draw the line on, on this type of, of, of stuff. And, and for his part, Franken disputes a lot of it. The latest report today, he says it's just it didn't happen. It's it's just not true. Um, let's talk to Bob in Wauwatosa. Bob, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I don't want you to call me a dirty old man. Okay, but... be careful. Then don't say anything that would make me call you a dirty old man, okay? <laughs> I think you have to look at how recent the incident was. I know, like, you practiced in federal court. I think they had the 10-year bad conduct rule that was generally used or something. Well, you have and, statute of limitations for stuff all, all the time. Right. Yeah. But the, the other thing, the severity of it, and, and I will say this for Franken, and I'm not a Franken fan, theatrical people, in my experience, and, and I'm not at the level that they are, but I've been to certain functions with them, they are very touchy-feely people more than average people anyways, and they like to do extravagant Things. Yeah, I think things are called by. I guess I I sort of wrestle. I mean, okay, there, there's there's being touchy feely, and there, there's trying to you know here I I want you to kiss me. I, I expect you to kiss me. I'm an entertainer and things like that. It clearly clearly boorish type of of behavior. 
um, clearly nothing to be proud of, but not not in in the workplace. And the guy does deny saying this happened. Now, I mean, I I, I don't know. Do do we believe Al Franken? Um, well, you, you you see the picture, and that that does speak a thousand words about that. But it it wasn't. It was a long time ago. And while, again, I'm not endorsing, you know, this boorish behavior, it's not like somebody is accusing him of of sexual assault. He's, you know, just being creepy. And there's lots of people around there who probably fit into that category. Let's take a break. Back with more in just a minute. It's 1253. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 12.56, Jeff Wagner, 6.20, WTMG. And you can't believe me how much it pains me to do a segment that in any way, shape, or form could be interpreted as defending Al Franken. I'm really not. I could care less whether Al Franken goes or not. It it is, and and I, I wrestle with this, as more and more... You know, allegations, you know, surface as more and more people are identified with engaging in what I think we would all agree is is if it occurred boorish behavior. But, you know, in some cases, the people say this didn't happen. And that's Al Franken is very clear with like some of the accusers. He says, look, it, it didn't happen. This this woman says I I said I was entitled to be kissed by her because, you know, I was an entertainer. He said, I just didn't do that. You know, other stuff. He says, hey, you know, a couple people say, you know, 10 years ago when they were posing for pictures with me, um, I got a little handsy. He says, I, I don't recall that. They didn't complain at the time. I, I don't recall that. I posed with all these pictures. Uh, you know, that to me is different than, you know, having, uh, again, like a John Conyers situation where you have somebody come up and they, they actually, you know, end up having to settle. Um, and, you know, one worker after another coming forward and saying, uh, okay, he, he, he's done this. Uh, John sends me an email. Jeff, I'm even more cynical than you. I think the Democrats are now calling for Franklin to resign because Governor Dayton is a Democrat and can appoint his replacement until the election. If Dayton was a Republican, they would be engaging in grammatical gym, gymnastics to keep Franken in place. I think there probably is some of that. Um, okay, good afternoon. This is Kelly. This is what she says. Kelly from Greenfield with a female perspective. Um, I have to agree with you. I don't want to defend Al's behavior, but if this happened uh, a long time ago, before he was even running for Senate, maybe his behavior is shaped up a little bit. Now he deserves a second chance. That's just my opinion. Yeah, that's. I mean, again, this is this is where I I wrestle with things. Wendy in Paddock Lake. Wendy, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Wendy. Hi. So my perspective is this: the severity of a man trying to kiss you. I don't think that degree necessarily is sexual assault. Right. Well, it, right. It might be. It's it's unwanted. It's boorish. Right. It, it's but it's yeah. It's so certainly not sexual assault, and it and especially these women with the congressman, and you know, forty years ago, uh, that we, just it's. You you you're skeptical of that? Victims. Yeah. No, th- oh my th- gosh. Well, yes. thanks. For, I mean, I can see. I, I, this is. I mean, this is where I I wrestle. Is there a statute of limitations on on bad behavior? What is the severity of of the conduct? Um, and, and again, it. And, and I did. I will. I will apply this standard uh, to Democrats and to Republicans. I mean, let's look closer to home. You have the situation with um, you know State Representative Josh Zepnick who has been a loose cannon for a long time. Um, Josh Zepnick, who I think by his own admission, 
has had or you know has uh, an or had an issue with alcohol got arrested for drunk driving in 2015 you know you've got people you know saying in 2011 and 2015 at democratic party events he um grabbed women and and kissed them um zepnik says well i i don't know i was probably drunk um you know which is you know is is it a defense to boorish behavior no, it, it's not. It's still boorish behavior. But at the same time, is this the type of thing that should cost someone their job? Coming up next, big thing number three, the national monuments, the national parks and President Trump. Stick around. It's 109. This is Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us. One more thought on the Al Franken thing. Now, here's a text. Jeff, if there is a zero-tolerance policy at a place of employment for sexual harassment, then yes, they should lose their job. Sexual harassment at my workplace in the federal government is any unwanted advancement by a person of the opposite sex or even the same sex. Yeah, it, see, what, what complicates the thing with Al Franken is that, the, the again, with the exception, I think, of, of one woman who posed for a photograph with him at a, at a fair and says he got handsy, um, all, all the stuff did not occur in the workplace, at least in his present workplace. It occurred, you know, when he was, you know, a, an entertainer in 2003 on a USO tour or allegedly when he was, you know, in a, in a studio at Air America in 2006. Who knows what went on in those studios at Air America 2005 and 2006. But, I mean, that it's not like it is a current thing. That's how I distinguish it, again, from the John Conyers type of situation. All right. Big story number three. Now, this does not affect us here in Wisconsin, but it raises sort of an interesting issue, and President Trump has waded into this. National parks are declared by Congress. So Congress declares something to be a national park. You know, they vote on it. It gets a it gets a special designation, and then um, you know th- there's all sorts of limitations as to what can be done. There's also something called national monuments. A national monument is something that it's created by the president. There's this act that's called the Antiquities Act that goes back a long time. National monuments are, like national parks, they're lands protected from development by law. But again, it's a president that gets to create a national monument. Congress creates the national park. And what presidents do is they will use the Antiquities Act to carve out large segments of land they will designate it as being a national monument, and then, therefore, it can't be it can't be developed. You can limit what the uses are for this, and in general, it's it's going to be preserved. And now, this creates a tension between people who want to again stop any sort of development and any sort of use of these lands and keep them public. And people who say, okay, we, we want these things to be developed. Now, in, in Utah, in Utah, two-thirds of the land in Utah is already owned by the U.S. government. The, the amount of public land in Utah is huge. So there are two national monuments in Utah. One is something called the Bears Ears 
National Monument, which is this sprawling region of rock canyons. And another is something called the Grand Staircase Escalante. Um, President Obama designated Bears Ears a monument in 2016. And the other one goes back to Bill Clinton in 1996, again, using this antiquities law. This has been extremely controversial because, uh, again, a number of the, the legislators in Utah have said, look, this is nothing but a federal land grab. What we want to do is we want to be able to take some of this land, and if we want to turn it over to developers, for example, to do oil exploration or something like that, we should have the ability to do that. Um, Well, President Obama disagreed. Well, yesterday what happened is President Trump came in and he said, I am going to change these designations. I'm going to scale this back. And he scaled it back dramatically. He cut the size of the Bear Sears National Monument by 85%, and he cut this grand staircase to half its current size. Well, this has absolutely outraged environmentalists. Oh, this is terrible. You know, this is is awful. And there's the outdoor supplier, uh, Pentagonia. I've never never shopped there. But um, their owner took out a big ad and is running these ads saying the president stole your land in an illegal move. The president just reduced the size of Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments. This is the largest elimination of protected um, land in American history. Now, President Trump did this, again, at the request of a lot of the politicians in Utah who say, hey, this federal government is just taking and taking and taking this land, and it's stopping us from allowing any sort of development on this at all. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I I think we all need to be good stewards of the environment. We, We all need to, I think, appreciate our natural resources. At the same time, that this idea that you're going to have the federal government coming in and essentially designating millions of acres, hundreds of thousands of acres of land in a particular state as being off limits, I think I agree with President Trump that this you know, sometimes this is a fa- in fact an overreach, and if you've got if you've got land that's historically significant, all right, yes, you want to protect it. But millions of acres, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Orrin Hatch, who's the senator from Utah, pushing very, very hard to have this scaled back. I think he's right. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you want to join us, it's 115. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 118, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Bucks open a three-game homestand this evening as they welcome in the Detroit Pistons to the BMO Harris-Bradley Center. Ted Davis and Dennis Krause begin our Buckshots pregame coverage at 640 here on WTMJ. Yeah, uh, last year for the Bradley Center, I was kind of thinking about that last night. I was at the Marquette game uh, where they played Vermont, and uh, it's a lot of memories in the Bradley Center, and it's all going to be gone after this year, and then the Bradley Center is going to be gone itself in some point in time. Um, This big story number three, this huge battle, uh, again, over this rollback on national monuments. Here's part of the problem. Part of the problem was, and this Barack Obama did this on purpose. 
you know, essentially on his way out of office or, or knowing that he was going to be leaving soon, he decided to give this big, sloppy, wet kiss to you know, some of his environmentalist pals and, 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 and to some of these businesses who make money, say, by, you know, supporting like hiking and, you know, they, they make the stuff for hiking and outdoor type of activities by it's not so much declaring some of this space to be a, a national monument, but by declaring so much of the space to be a national monument. And what President Trump did yesterday was, at least in my opinion, he scaled this back to a more reasonable type of level, which at the end of the day is what this is all about. Now, you've got the environmentalists and some of these people who made a ton of money, again, selling outdoor equipment and things of the like, who are threatening to sue. Their contention is that once one president declares land to be a national monument, another president can't undeclare that. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me because, honestly, without claiming to be an expert in the Antiquities Act that's been around for a 100 years, it would seem to me that if presidential power is what allows you to create, presidential power is what allows you to then modify. At least that would be my off-the-cuff reaction. I guess a court is ultimately going to have to decide on that. We will see. All right, tell you what, let's take a very quick break. We've got our winner of the $100 Bartolotta's gift card. We will be giving out other gift cards as our holiday shopping list uh, moves along, so continue to listen. Um, we have featured sponsors on several of the days over the course of the next week or so You know, as we lead up into the holiday season. When we come back, all right, remember Matt Lauer? Remember how big a story that was um, about a week or so ago? Well, NBC is still trying to claim that they had no idea. They were shocked, shocked to find that this guy was a pig. I don't believe that for one minute. We discuss next. It's 121. This is Jeff Wagner. One twenty-three. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Congress is moving dangerously close towards another government shutdown. What are they doing to avoid it, and will it get done in time? Check out the latest today, four twenty, during Wisconsin's afternoon news. Um, if you want to understand how bad the problem of juvenile crime is and why it's not going to get any better in the foreseeable future in Milwaukee, really interesting and telling piece. Um, it was on Channel fifty-eight the other day. Now, keep in mind, at Ed Flynn who is finally starting to get around to doing what you need to do, which is naming names. He's talking about his frustration. He says, you know, here's one of the things we do know. He said, we're doing our job. The police department catches these kids. We need the juvenile justice system to do its part. And Mark the Tape on this group is producing the show today and always. Ed Flynn is absolutely right. He's absolutely right. Part of the frustration is you have this catch and release system where you have juvenile court judges in Milwaukee County that refuse to treat these offenders not as little kids who are out throwing TP, you know, um, TPing some principal's house, and instead treat them like the dangerous offenders that they are. So, Channel 58, to its credit, goes and they interview Joe Donald. Joe Donald is a circuit judge. He's the presiding judge for the Milwaukee County Children's Court Center, which, you know, if you picture an image of a revolving door, this is it. Um, and so they, they go and they, they say, okay, you know, what, what do you, you think? You know, Ed Flynn is there. There's all sorts of other people, my hand is in the air, saying you've got to hand down tougher sentences. And here's what the circuit judge says. It is very difficult to say with certainty 
whether any particular penalty is going to stop a kid from reoffending. It's a matter of putting the right kids in the right situation for the right length of time. Let me stop here. That that is an amazing amount of double talk. It is very difficult to say with certainty whether any particular penalty is going to stop a kid from reoffending. No, it's not. What is this judge talking about? All right, if you have some kid that has stolen 15 cars, well, if you put a bracelet on him and send him back out into the community, yes, yes, there's nothing to say that he's not going to go out and steal another 15 because the past often is the future. On the other hand, if you do what anybody thinks is appropriate, which would be lock the kid up, I guarantee you, you are going to stop him from reoffending. By definition, if you send this criminal into a secure facility, he's not going to be out on the streets able to steal cars or stick guns in people's faces. It just follows. That, that's that's it. But this is the idea. Now, can I guarantee you when he's ultimately released that he's not going to go out and reoffend? No. But at least for the period of time that he's out of, off the streets, out of society, in secure detention, I guarantee you he's not going to reoffend, or he's at least not going to, well, I can't say that he's not going to be attacking prison guards or doing all sorts of stuff like that, but I can say that he's not going to be breaking into houses or stealing people's cars or sticking guns in women's faces. Judge Donald says sending juveniles to places like Lincoln Hills remains a final resort. If we do that as a system, we have failed. Simply locking them up, in my opinion, is not a solution. Okay, this is why juvenile crime has become such a problem, particularly in Milwaukee. Locking them up, simply locking them up, is not a solution. What a simplistic way of looking at this. Well, we can't just lock them up and throw away the key. Well, nobody is suggesting that. Okay, while you lock them up, you give them options. Hey, if you want to try to get your GED, you do, or give them counseling or whatever. But you lock them up in addition to that. Because if you don't lock them up, judge, it's not the answer. How many more people do you have to turn loose on the streets? And you talk to cops on a regular basis, and they will tell you that Ed Flynn is finally saying what their greatest frustration is. We catch a kid who's been involved in multiple car thefts. We catch a kid who's been involved in burglaries. We catch a kid, whatever, and we send him to the juvenile court system. The DA's office won't even try to waive people into adult court, even for multiple car thefts. And it goes into the juvenile justice system, and you have these juvenile court judges who decide that locking them up is not a solution. Well, turning them loose on the street is not a solution. And that is, again, what is so frustrating about this. If we do that as a system, we have failed. Okay, the judge is also calling on the state to close Lincoln Hills and open a handful of smaller facilities located across the state. Now, that I don't have an issue with. I think we made a mistake collectively when we decided to take a lot of the facilities, close them, and then send all the worst of the worst, and that's what is in Lincoln Hills right now, all the worst of the worst to Lincoln Hills. I I think it makes sense to have other facilities located closer to home, so to the extent that anybody wants to visit these kids, 
Um, and let's face it, in a lot of cases, the reason they've committed crimes bad enough to send to Lincoln Hills is that there's nobody in their life that wants to see them anyways. But to the extent there are family that want to visit or whatever, I think it makes sense to have things uh, smaller. I also think that you need to have a commitment to, uh, again, building these facilities. But here's the bottom line. The judges aren't going to change. This is just institutional. Institutional. And and so, as a result, I think the law has to change. I think the laws regarding the way we treat juveniles, starting with the fact that I think it is insane, absolutely insane, that we do not publicize the names of violent juveniles and we don't tell the public what the disposition of cases are so that... If you have somebody that's been breaking into homes in your neighborhood, they get caught. You never know what happened to that. The judges that are sending them back out on the streets aren't held accountable. They know that there's this, we've got to protect the juvenile. We don't care what happens to the victims and the communities, but we protect the juvenile at all costs. I think that law has to change. I think the whole waiver process has to change. I think we have to make mandatory penalties that guarantee that if you commit certain crimes, you are going to be detained. You need to take it out of the judge's hands. But if you want to understand part of the problem, all you have to do is check out this interview that one of the juvenile court judges did with Channel 58. It's 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We talked briefly about this, I think, during Friday's program. And a quick reminder, we're back out on the road this coming Friday. We'll be at Albrecht Century in Delafield, which it's it's the big store you can see right off of I-94. It's always, we've been there on a number of occasions. They're always very hospitable to us. It's the Kids to Kids Christmas campaign. Stop off and drop off a new unwrapped toy. We will make sure it goes to the appropriate child this holiday season. But last week at the Kids to Kids Christmas event, we, we did one segment on this. It's back in the news because the, the, the child is now speaking out. Okay, th- this is the headline that caught my attention. Transgender teen Suing Palatine School. I want to be treated just like every other girl. Okay, now here, here's the story. This, this child was born as a boy. The child has boy body parts. Um, the child had gender identity issues. Um, and when the child enrolled in high school when 14 years old decided at that point in time i am really a girl trapped in a boy's body okay and at that point in time the transgender student decided that i'm going to present to the world a- as a girl all right I'm, I'm going to change my name i'm going to start dressing like a female um, I want to be referred to by using female pronouns and all those type of things and the school district said fine all right the the child then also said well all right in addition to that i want to use the girls restroom and i want to use the girls locker room and uh, as opposed to the boys locker room and men women boys girls you get the get the school at the time said well no we're, we're not going to do that what we will do is we will set up a, a separate locker room for you a separate changing area for you where you know you can change into your clothes and things like that we will also give you a waiver from gym class if, if you want that and that worked for a little while and then the child said no I, I feel that you are not treating me appropriately I, I should be treated like every other girl every other female student at the school despite the fact 
that anatomically she is a boy. Follow me so far. And this is not one where the, the child is, to my knowledge, not going through the, the hormone therapy, you know, not having the surgeries at this point in time. The, you, you've got male anatomy here. Okay, so what the school decides to do then, because the child complains that, hey, it's hard to get into this separate dressing and changing area. It has to be unlocked by a faculty member. This is, I I feel stigmatized by this. I want to use the girls' locker room. Now, again, we're, we're not just talking bathrooms where you've got stalls and there's a degree of privacy. We're talking locker rooms, you know, the open air, the old fashioned type of. I don't even know it's so old-fashioned. You know, the type of locker room where there's the lockers that are side-by-side, and you've got the benches, and everybody takes off their clothes and changes next to each other. Okay, the school's different. And so this child, who is, again, anatomically a boy, but considers herself to be a girl, presents to the world as a girl, except when she takes her clothes off, um, says, okay, I want to be in the locker room. And the school says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to allow you to use the girls' locker room, but, 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 we're going to set up a, a privacy, you know, booth in there. Essentially, you're going to have your own, like, locker. You're going to have your own little area inside the girls' locker room, so you can go into the girls' locker room, you can change, but, 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 um, you're, you're not going to be changing sitting on the bench next to the 14-year-old girl who is anatomically a girl. So we're trying to accommodate you. We are trying to balance this out. Um, She has now filed a lawsuit against the school district claiming that, um, you know, forcing her to an unspecified private changing area within the locker rooms where no one else is required to dress well, that violates her various rights. In other words, that she should have a right to, you know, if she wants to get naked next to the, the girls that um, don't have penises, <laughs> she should have the right to do that. All right, And now she is suing. And again, what caught me is the headline in the story is transgender teens suing Palatine School. Quote, I want to be treated just like every other girl. Well, here's the truth of the matter. She's not just like every other girl. She's not. Now, I, I, I have no issue at all. If she wants to present herself to the world a, as a female, fine. Call herself a female, be referred to by female pronouns, that's fine. But, but this idea that you have an absolute right to have anything you want. I want to be treated just like every other girl. She's not every other girl. Every other girl doesn't have male body parts. They, they don't. Now, if she had gone through the surgeries and that type of stuff, well, that would be a different story. But none of that's happened. I think the school has done an admirable job of trying to balance the needs. All right, you don't want to be in a separate area, a separate room, fine. We'll give you locker room access. That's great. But, you know, within that locker room, you're going to have your own little private changing area. I, I think that that is a reasonable accommodation that takes care of her interest, but also balances perhaps the interest of the 13- or 14-year-old girl, you know, going through a very impressionable stage who doesn't necessarily feel comfortable changing on a bench next to somebody who's got male body parts. 
Is the school district being unreasonable? Is this girl who wants to be treated like every other girl, is she really every other girl? Do the other kids not have certain rights? And the school district's getting whipsawed because they've also got a lawsuit. They had another, they had another situation where they tried to accommodate another one of the transgender students, and they, they got a lawsuit from the parents of a number of the other students who said, hey, we feel uncomfortable in this particular situation. Okay, one segment, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I think the demands of this particular transgender student are unreasonable. I think the school is bending over backwards to work out an accommodation that is fair. I honestly think the whole separate area outside the locker room is reasonable, but they are going further than that. They're saying you can go into the female locker room, but you're going to have your own private changing facility within that locker room. You're going to be fine. Um, Isn't that good enough? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. Headline. I want to be treated just like every other girl. Well, you're not like every other girl. We discuss next. It's 144, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 147, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Again, I know we talked about this a couple days ago, but I, the, the, the girl in question, the transgender student, is now going very, very public and, and filed this lawsuit. And the headline is, I want to be treated just like every other girl. And, and my, what caught my attention, she's not. She's not like every other girl. And I think, you know, as we deal with these issues, there has to be a balancing. And what I find frustrating is that you have, you know, some of the, these people who think that, uh, again, I have rights, but nobody else has rights. Or, or my rights trump the rights, no pun intended, trump the rights of other people. And so I get to do what I want to do. And if it makes other people uncomfortable, whatever, that's their problem. So if, if as an 18-year-old high school senior who is anatomically a boy but wants to present to the world as a girl, fine. Um, I have every right in the world to do that. And if I want to get naked next to a 14-year-old girl, I have the right to do it. And if that girl is uncomfortable, it's her problem, not mine. Let's talk to John in Oshkosh. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, yes, I, I totally agree with you. Um, uh, here's the thing. I think that the school board, uh, if it goes to court and all that stuff, has a good position here as far as uh, what's good for the one is not necessarily good for the many. That mm-hmm. The fact is that... That's very Star um, Trek it, of you. It, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, very Star Trek of you there, John. Yeah, yeah. but uh, here's the thing: uh, the policy should be this, and I think it's not. It, it's black and white. The fact is, until the procedure has been done 100 percent, that this person has a, a sex change, uh, yeah. change, they should not be allowed in that girl's uh, locker room. And uh, once the procedure is done. And stuff like that. The policy should be uh, steadfast in the future. Yeah, no, and I, and that. See, thanks for calling. See, and that's of course that's of course the clean, easy way to do it, and you avoid like these shades of gray. I always go back to what was it about a year or so ago. You have this this guy. Yeah. 
guy at UWM who looks like a guy who's just starting to decide that he you know wants to present to the world a, as a woman he wants to go in and use the sauna so you know you have you have like mom at the time you have like moms and their kids and stuff who are like using the women's sauna and there's what appears to be a naked man now it's right the, the easy way to say is okay once you've had this the, the surgery that's how it applies I don't know that you necessarily need to be that restrictive you know the other thing that I, I keep coming back to and I, I always think that this is people trying to push an agenda on it I, I don't know about you but who in high school who in high school liked the process of you know changing in these communal locker rooms I, I think for most people um, transgender not transgender if you gave them the option of saying hey you, you have your special changing area who wouldn't have taken that I mean in reality who would not have taken that Mark in Oak Creek Mark you're on WTMJ good afternoon hello Jeff hi Mark thanks for taking my call yes sir um, I feel very strongly about this, and I'm on your side. You know, I think the school is going way above to help out this person, and they still want to file a lawsuit? Are you kidding me? It's a boy. You know what I'm trying to say is... um, well, well anatomic, anatomically, it, anatomically, the child is a male. They're, well, right. They're, well, well, they got male sorry, genitalia. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I have children. I have grandchildren. I wouldn't want these people, you know... Um, well, no, I mean, I, no, know, no, I get it, Mark. No, I, mean no I, I, I get it, Mark. I mean, I, I don't think that that, okay, let, let's say, okay, and I, I you, okay, let, let, let's stick with the boy-girl thing because that's what happens here. But let's say for just the sake of argument that your wife um, wants to, you, you, that the high school has a pool. Okay, and and it's open. It's open swimming. Members of the general public come in. So your wife comes in with you know your your four and six year old granddaughters. Okay, and they're in the changing area because they're going to go in the swimming pool. Yeah, I I don't think that that makes you a prude or unreasonable if you decide. Hey, you know we don't want some. We would be uncomfortable with somebody who again is in that same changing area who's got male genitalia. I, I just that that's not an unreasonable sort of thing. It seems to me that the simple way you deal with this is you have a balancing that's out there, and the, the idea that we have to be absolutists very very frustrating. All right, when we come back, I got a great Matt Lauer story for you. Stick around; it's one fifty-two. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's one fifty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, seems what it's been about. What, a week and a half since the Matt Lauer story broke and NBC fired him? And what, what caught my attention, and we talked about this at the time, was the interesting statement by the head of, of NBC News, a guy named Andy Lack, about how, well, um, this was, this was the, the first complaint that had been filed against Matt Lauer, and we investigated it, we determined that there was merit, and we, we fired him. Oh, aren't we great? Well, at the time, it struck me as being a particularly, if not a lie, a very, very lawyerly type of recitation. In other words, this this woman who complained, this was the first formal complaint. The first person that went into human resources and actually filled out, dictated a complaint and signed it. Um, you know, the, the best case scenario, it was a lawyerly dodge. What it probably really was was a lie because as quickly emerged, there were countless women 
who had filed various complaints of the boorish behavior and harassment that um, Matt Lauer had, had subjected them to over the years. Um, the complaints had been made, maybe not to a human resources person directly, but they'd been made to producers. They'd been made to executives, and the general response was, well, Matt Lauer is the king of this $500 million empire that is the Today Show. Um, you're going to ruin your career. We don't know anything about it. And And again, I just thought, I just thought it was a lie, and it was just so frustrating to me that you have – you will never convince me, for example, that CBS and PBS didn't know about Charlie Rose. You will never, ever convince me that NBC didn't know about Matt Lauer. And the the story today is about how apparently back in 2008, there was a a Friars Club roast of of Matt Lauer where his sexual proclivities – in the workplace were the subject of joke after joke after joke. I, I have the story that Fox News uh, did on this now that this is all cir- circulating, circulating, and it's one of those where there might be some of the content I could share with you on the radio, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm uncomfortable with it. it it's that It is that raunchy, but it all relates to Matt Lauer's behavior in the workplace. And this is with the Today Show cast and executives, everybody sitting there. Let's face it, this this wasn't something that was not well known. And again, I you know, we can talk about the culture and, you know, how Matt Lauer was able to get away with this stuff. And you can make Matt Lauer out to be a boorish pig. And it sounds like Matt Lauer was definitely a boorish pig. So it's not a defense of, of him. But but these executives that looked the other way, that didn't care about it, who are now trying to pose for holy pictures. Well, as soon as we found out this was going on, we immediately acted. I mean, I use this phrase all the time. I mean, LBJ popularized it. Don't pee down my back and tell me it's raining. And I guess I I just look, if Matt Lauer's got to go, and I think that is appropriate, what about all the executives at NBC all the way up to the top who had to know about this stuff how can they still keep their job, and how can NBC maintain any degree of credibility? Again, it's more than just Matt Lauer. If you're going to deal with the culture of this, you can't let the executives that look the other way lie about what they knew. 159, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 2-8, Jeff Wagner. So, Mike, did you? our, our sales department and our radio trafficking, they're having this, this big party here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lots of good food I'm trying stuff. to run out there right now and get some food before it goes. Oh, well, well there's stuff. There. Check out the cookies and all. But, but what I actually like, too, is that they're having a like an, an ugly Christmas sweater yeah, contest. And so a lot of people are, are wearing that. And, and actually, I'm not going to name names, but one of our coworkers has what is genuinely an ugly Christmas sweater on. But it's got tags on the back, and I said, "You, you, and it, I, I mean, it was kind of self-evident." But I said, "You, know, you got tags on the back." He and the the person, he, she, not going to be named, said, "Yeah, I, I got this yesterday. I'm taking it back after the party." Wow! <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, it's like not likely to be wearing this. And and I said, "You know, I, I think that that's probably a good strategy, except." If it were me, I would inevitably spill something on it. Yeah, that that's was the risk you run. That that is the risk you run when you do that. But um, so far, he she had managed to avoid spilling anything on it. So that's see, that's we we have people that are thinking creatively around here about that type of stuff. Yeah, really outside the box. So go get some of the hot chocolate and the cookies. They're pretty good. All right. By this time next week, 
The election season that seemed like it would never end will be over. Next Tuesday, Alabama voters go to the polls. They will decide whether they are going to vote for Alabama. Under normal circumstances, a Republican Senate candidate should win with 70% of the vote, 65 to 70% of the vote. Um, Nobody knows what the outcome is going to be because the Republicans in Alabama have chosen former Judge Roy Moore. We have talked about the Roy Moore case. It's been, you know, in the news. Roy Moore, ultimate loose cannon. Um, Roy Moore was twice removed from the Alabama Supreme Court for his refusal to follow the law. And I've said this before. I mean, I, I regularly rail on this program against activist judges. You know, the, the judges that decide, I know what the law is, and I and I know what the what I think is going to be the right solution. And I don't care what the law says. I'm going to do what I think is the right thing. Well, that's a very very dangerous way to run a court system because we are a country of laws, not men. And men or women and when you have these activist judges and most of them are on the left most of them are on the left to say we just think this law is unfair so i'm going to ignore the law i rail about it well roy moore is the conservative example of that you know roy moore was one of the things is he you know he he refused to follow federal law with regard to a ten commandments monument in the courthouse well okay you can disagree with the law you can disagree with your interp- the supreme court's interpretations of the law and especially in the area of the so-called separation of church and state there, there's many things that i think previous supreme courts have gotten wrong but nevertheless it's the law of the land and just like i condemn activist judges on the left for not following the law. I also condemn those examples where you have judges on the right who don't follow the law. It's not what a judge should be. So anyhow, that that's Roy Moore. Roy Moore was supported by Steve Bannon and kind of the let's start a civil war branch of the, the Republican Party. Um, President Trump endorsed the sitting senator who he had appointed but you know, you, you had these this this other group that said, "Oh, he he's not uh, Luther Strange." That was the guy's name. He he's not conservative enough, even though the president appointed him, and even though the president supports him, he's not enough with Trump. So, uh, you you ended up with Roy Moore, who was always a loose cannon. Well, of course, then it all came out that Roy Moore, who is now in his seventies, back when he was in his thirties, and a district attorney, best case scenario. He liked to hang out at shopping malls and try to date teenage girls. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is one or two of the girls have come forward and said that he groped them and assaulted them. Okay, And he denies it. Who knows exactly what the truth is? But we do, of course, know that when the guy was in his 30s, he was hanging around malls sniffing after teenage girls, which, uh, again, People have said, well, Jeff, it's Alabama. It's different. Okay, Alabama might be different, but it ain't that different. I'm sorry. It is not normal for a 30-some-year-old guy to be, again, sniffing around 15-, 16-year-old girls. That is not normal behavior. At the same time, it was 30, 40 years ago. All right? Long time has passed. He was never charged with any sort of crime. And again, he denies that there was you know, any sort of inappropriate contact with any of these girls. But 
I mean, he was clearly trying to date them, which I find to be odd in the extreme. Well, this race has gotten all sorts of national attention. Of course, we're now in the era of the Me Too, hashtag Me Too and all. Yesterday, Steve Bannon, who is the former Trump advisor who's now on the outside, but nevertheless, he you know feels that it's in his interest for whatever reason to try to promote a Republican civil war. He's in Alabama campaigning for Roy Moore. Um, he decides to go after the Republican establishment, um, you know, and he he talks about how the days of taking this are are just over, calls GOP leaders in Congress cowards and then goes after Mitt Romney, essentially calling Mitt Romney a draft dodger. Um, he says that, um, let's see, uh, Romney hid behind his religion during the Vietnam War while Moore graduated from the United States Military Academy and Romney received a draft deferment for his missionary work in France. You hid behind your religion. Do not talk to me about honor and integrity, Bannon says. So he's down there trying to, you know, royal up the population for Roy Moore. All right. This is a legitimate question. We've talked about this other commentators have talked about it. This has been a dominant story in the national news. You have a state that is heavily Republican. Were Roy Moore to be elected, he would, uh, again, help maintain the Republican advantage that they have in Congress, in the Senate, which is very narrow. Roy Moore is, under the best of circumstances, is a I think it's fair to say he is a loose cannon, and I think that's the most charitable thing I could think to say about him. He is a loose cannon. That's in the best-case scenario. Worst-case scenario, he might be a child molester. All right, He is, nevertheless, a Republican who will be a reliable vote for Donald Trump. Here is my question. If you were a voter in Alabama going to the polls Tuesday, would you vote for Roy Moore? Or would you vote for the Democrat challenger? Would you vote for Roy Moore? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. And be honest, because then I'm going to ask you why or why not. 414-799-1620. I'm not going to ask you to predict who's going to win. I don't know what the Alabama electorate's going to do. I am curious if this was Wisconsin, if this was you that had to make this choice, would you vote for Roy Moore or not? And I'll tell you where I come down on this as well, but we'll discuss next. 215, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, this is a legitimate question, and I'll tell you how I'm going to answer this as well, because I've wrestled with this. Roy Moore, maybe you feel he has been unfairly targeted by the mainstream media, but he's the Republican Senate candidate in Alabama. Regardless of of how you feel about, you know, as you've been unfairly targeted. I, I think everybody could agree that he is an extremely, extremely flawed, non-mainstream candidate, um, that whether he wins or not is going to make this election a lot closer than it otherwise would have been. But here's my question. Would you vote for, would you vote for Roy Moore if you had the opportunity to vote next Tuesday? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Gary in McGuanago. Gary, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, first of all, just to correct you, uh, it's not the mainstream media that they're catching for. It's uh, their actual accusers 
and they document it. So the mainstream is a channel for that uh, information to flow, but let's not kid ourselves. It's not the mainstream media. These people are real, and they're credible. And in doing so, you're right. This guy is extreme, and he's crazy, and it's time, time for Americans, especially Alabama, to reject uh, mm-hmm. the T.T. Barnum of the world who want to become leaders in our country. Enough. Let's get back to having statesmen and stateswomen mm-hmm. who are disciplined, who are thoughtful, who are good citizens. But unfortunately, America, for some reason, has decided that tabloid people are better. And I don't understand that. Carrie, let me ask you, who, did, if you don't mind me asking, who did you vote for for president last year? I, I, I don't disclose that. My wife of 25 years <laughs> okay. has, never, has never known who I voted okay. for. Okay. All right. Fair, fair enough. Well, that's the privacy of the voting. But I, I, I was just curious I, because, I mean, this was... This is in a more extreme. This is in a much more extreme way. I think the choice that a lot of people were faced with during the presidential election, where there were a number of aspects of now President Trump that people found off-putting, but you know he was running against Hillary Clinton, which you know, obviously you know we were just collectively as a country not that into Hillary Clinton. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Would you vote for Roy Moore? Let's talk to Otis in Franksville. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, I sir. appreciate it. You know, the, the, really the big difference for me, it, Jeff, is, you know, if you liked girls and your, your young, young girls in your 30s or whatever, and if you owned it, that'd be all right. You know, things have changed. You're married and happily married. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to pivot from, you know, uh, uh, days gone past. But the problem I've got is he is not owning it whatsoever. Matter of fact, he's doubling down and basically, you know, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, uh, uh, doing a wink and a nod here, if you ask me. So, you know, I don't think, I think this goes right to his character, and I don't think there's any way in the world uh, I would vote for him um, unless he owned it to some some degree. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and and, and I think that's a normal reaction for most of us. You know, nobody is perfect. Um, but on the same token, you know, and, and nor should we necessarily be held up, you know, for something we did 30 or 40 years ago. Right. As long as we own it, for crying out loud, instead of, uh, you know, basically uh, creating a, a big conspiracy. Right. Oh, fair enough. Thanks for the call. Okay, here's a text. My uncle was 32 when he married my aunt, who was 16. Um uh, your characterization of, uh, they've been married almost 70 years. This was Wisconsin. By referring to Moore, Moore as a child molester, you were saying that about my uncle as well, so I will no longer be listening. No, I, I, my, my point of, was that what I said was, worst case scenario, that is, if these allegations are true, that he assaulted, um, one or two of these young women, then he is a child molester. But I do stand by my statement. Um, I understand the texter has an uncle who was 32 who married a 16-year-old. I think that that is odd that 32-year-old men, um, and apparently the allegations are he liked to pursue and date young women. And I'm talking about young women. Yes, I stand by that. I think there's something that is odd, not normal, about men who are in their 30s who are hanging out at shopping malls um, sniffing after teenage girls. And yes, 
I, I stand by that. And it's, sorry, that's just where I, that's just kind of where I come down on that. Not going to apologize for that remark at all. 414-799-1620. But I guess the question is, it, it is, it's decades ago. You know, it's decades ago. We're never going to know what the truth of the matter is with regard to the assaults. We're, we're just never going to know. She says it happened. He says it didn't. All right. What would you do? Bill in Plymouth. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. It's Bill. Hi, Bill. You're on the air. Hey. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. Sure. Um, I vote for the guy for not because I like child molesters or anything like that, but if he's as much behind Donald Trump as you say he is, yep. and he'll help Donald Trump get things passed that we need passed to straighten out this country, his one vote might be the difference. So I vote him in office for that one reason only. So even if you even if I you don't believe care about anything but if you'll support Trump. Okay. All right. Thanks for coming. That's what my that's what the question was. I mean, so even if you believe the allegations, let's take my worst case scenario that he was in fact an unconvicted child case child molester. My worst case scenario, since he's a Trump, since he'll be a he will be, I think clearly a reliable vote for President Trump. Um, you'd vote for him. Okay. Eddie from Franklin says, no way would I vote for him just for party affiliation. This is about doing the right thing. Putting this man in office for any more terms would, in fact, be tragic. Uh, let's see. Tom in Greendale. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, Jeff, yeah, I have a question for you as to how the Republican Party can say that this person should drop out of the race. And now that it's getting down to the end, they not only support him, but they give him money and they endorse him. You're talking about the Republican National Committee. Yeah, well, that's after President Trump really runs the RNC now, and so he came out and endorsed him, and so they decided to give him money. Yes. Yeah, but what's this going to do to the Republican Party when the people of this country say Republicans are backing a guy that's basically a pedophile? Because they said, Mitch O'Connell said that these complaints against him are credible. So what's that saying? That you're willing, the Republican Party is willing to back a pedophile just so they can get his vote? I, I, that's, well, that's crazy. Well, I do think, I mean, you're, Tom, you're, you're on to, I, I do think, you know, in many respects, I, I think that, I think there's a lot of Democrats across the country that very much want Roy Moore to win. And, and hear me out. I, I kind of mentioned this earlier when we talked about Al Franken. Um, if Roy Moore wins and is, is seated by the U.S. Senate, What's going to happen is every Republican running in 2018 is going to be saddled with this argument that here, you know, you Republicans are all soft on harassers, pedophiles, child molesters, worst case scenario. But you know what the, the way those ads are going to look. That is, and I said this earlier, one of the reasons why I think you have all these Democratic women coming out today, these senators calling for Al Franken to resign. They don't they don't care what Al I really believe it. they don't care what Al Franken did um, back in two thousand three when he was a talk show host for Air America. What they realize is that if Al Franken is still in the US Senate, if Roy Moore wins that whole campaign issue kind of goes away. Because like I say, if I'm a Republican running for Congress and somebody says, hey, Roy Moore is a Republican, that means you're soft on sexual harassment or whatever, the, the next ad's going to be that, that picture of Al Franken with his hands out and that you-know-what-eating grin, and, and that's going to diffuse this. If, on the other hand, Al Franken has been forced out, then the Democrats can try to collect and, and claim the, the high moral ground. Lamar in Orlando. Mar- Lamar, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Thanks for taking my call, and Jeff, you always have a, a great show. I really thank you. Uh, and, and whenever you call, and I always appreciate that, Lamar. I always have to ask you: It's thirty-two degrees with a twenty-five mile an hour wind. Um, what's the weather like in Orlando today? <laughs> my, my my dash my dash thermometer says eighty-six. <laughs> okay, <So. laughs> I'm envious, pal. Okay, go ahead. Okay, what would you vote for, Roy Moore? I would not vote for Roy Moore, uh, and the reason is I, I would never. I'm not really much of a partisan guy uh, these days. But if I were, I would never put party over over morality and over over my principles and over character. I think character character speaks loudly, and I agree with the caller a couple of calls ago that said it, it'd be one thing, even though this was it would have been back in the '80s. I do believe uh, if he were, you know, if he you know chased him back then, not that that was a norm in the '80s. If he chased him back then and he came clean and said, you know what, I was, you know, younger, immature, blah blah blah, owned up to it and moved forward. Uh, that would speak louder to his character than just trying to simply say it, it never happened. Even though there's a, there's a lot of other, you know, uh, certain, mm-hmm. you know, clues that say he's this kind of person. But with that said, um, that, that he may have earned my vote. But you know, the, I mean, I'm not gonna for the sake of party, I'm not gonna endorse. You're, you're not gonna vote for case him. scenario a, a, a pedophile. Okay, thank, thanks. For, right, worst case scenario. Thanks for the call. All right, got to take a quick break. When we come back, we have the news that I'm going to tell you what I would do and. I'm not sure I'm going to make anybody happy on this one. It's 229. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 236. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, just in time for the holidays. WTMJ.com is giving you a chance to win an authentic NFL game ball autographed by Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. Just log on to the WTMJ.com contest page, listen for the special keyword in the podcast player, fill out the entry form, and you could be our lucky winner. You can enter daily, but you've got to be 18 to take part. Official rules up at WTMJ.com. All right, let me kind of give a long-winded explanation of my vote. First of all, this, this it is so frustrating to me that we are having this entire conversation and that people of prince people of principle get forced into a position of defending somebody like Roy Moore. See that that's why I started this thing. Roy Moore is a kook. All right? He, he just this is a guy who was twice tossed off the Alabama Supreme Court because he refused to follow the law. He is sort of one of these extreme type of of guys. All right. And and it's just it is so frustrating to me that Republicans Republicans did this, you know, back in 2010 and 2008. You know, they they, in some respects, Republicans shot themselves in the foot. I, I go back to this and I know I've used this example before, but for six years I used to cringe every time I saw Harry Reid as the majority leader of the Senate from Nevada. Harry Reid, the last six years before he retired, was only the majority leader. He only got reelected because Nevada, the Republicans, nominated the one person who couldn't beat him. This woman named Sharon Angle, who was just had just way out on the extreme but but they nominated her and she ended up losing you had the other woman from the east coast who spent half the campaign denying that she was a witch okay that that's the type of stuff alabama alabama and that primary election is what has caused this huge problem you had a guy named luther strange who was a very very conservative guy for everybody who wanted to see President Trump's agenda supported, Luther Strange would have voted for that agenda. But nevertheless, Luther Strange wasn't a guy with, with all with all this baggage. Luther Strange would have been winning this election 60 to 70 percent of the vote. He would have been a mainstream 
conservative, perhaps even more conservative than most mainstream conservatives, but we wouldn't have been having this entire dialogue. So one of the things that is frustrating to me as somebody who has, you know, worked in the conservative movement, you know, one way or the other for decades, it's frustrating to me that we're in this situation. And it's why I have so little use for people like Steve Bannon, who are out there just throwing bombs, trying to unseat the Republican establishment. Let's drain the swamp. Let's go after people like Paul Ryan. Don't tell me Paul Ryan's not a conservative. Don't tell – I mean, look, I don't care where you are in the Republican Senate race um, in Wisconsin to try to unseat Tammy Baldwin between Leah Vukmir and Kevin Nicholson, but don't tell me that somebody like Leah Vukmir is not a solid mainstream conservative because, you know, I've seen that over the last couple decades. So what happens is you have some of these guys that decide they're going to come in, they're going to play in these primary races, and you're going to get deeply flawed candidates like Roy Moore. So regardless of whether or not you feel the charges against him are valid, can we all agree that he is an extremely, extremely flawed candidate? All right. So then the question becomes, all right, Jeff, with that said, understanding that you are frustrated, that this is the guy that's representing the Republican Party, what would you do if you're an Alabama voter? Here's what I would do. I, I can't vote. I, I, I can't vote for either one of them. I, I can't vote for Roy. I'm, I'm not going to vote for the Democrat who doesn't represent any of the political ideals that I represent. And, and maybe it's a cop out, but I can't vote for Roy Moore. I, I, I just can't. If I were Ron Johnson, I would, and Roy Moore wins, I'd be immediately referring this case to the Ethics Committee for an investigation to determine, you know, whether he, he should be seated or not. That's a judgment that, you know, other people are going to make. But, and I, and I don't say that just because of the 30 or 40 year old allegations. I don't know if that's true or not. But again, with apologies to the one guy who texts me saying, what do you think is unusual about 32 year old men? dating 16-year-old girls, okay, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I think it is odd for a 32-year-old man who's in the district attorney's office to be hanging around malls looking to try to establish relationships with teenage girls. I think that that's odd. I understand that was a long time ago, but I don't base my concern with Roy Moore just on that. I base it on his actions. You know, he was on the bench, the state bench in Alabama, and a lot of his different pronouncements. And I understand he would be a loyal Trump voter. I, I get it. But candidly, I think Roy Moore in the U.S. Senate, big picture, as somebody who is concerned with seeing the Republicans maintain their majority in the Senate, I think a Roy Moore win makes that a lot more difficult. I will tell you, I think secretly there's a lot of Republicans across the country who, if Roy Moore loses, um, they're going to actually breathe a sigh of relief because that means that they're not going to be saddled with the specter of Roy Moore over the course of the next nine or ten months. I am sympathetic to those of you who called and said, look, I, I want to advance the Trump agenda. This is how you do it. I'm playing the long game here. I, I acknowledge it. Roy Moore winning might be a short-term victory in that it preserves 52 seats. Roy Moore winning could, I, I think, lead to an electoral debacle next November. So that's issue number one, big picture. Issue number two is I, I just I can't vote for the Democrat, but I can't, I can't vote for somebody who I just think for a variety of reasons is just – 
constitutionally unfit to serve in the U.S. Senate. And I just don't get have to get go any farther than his behavior when he was a judge, much less all the other stuff. But how frustrating is it that we're even having this conversation? This should have been a no-brainer. This should have been a seat that the Republicans win with 65% of the vote, not a potential nail-biter. And this is what happens when you allow, I don't know, some fringe players like Steve Bannon to hijack the electoral process. And that is precisely what Alabamans in this race allowed to have happen. <clears throat> Frustrating. 243, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Milwaukee Bucks are scaling back a portion of their planned entertainment district. Jeff Wagner wonders if the new arena will truly be a gold mine that many expect. Much more in his show podcast on the WTMJ mobile app. All right. With that done, let's talk about something fun and pleasant. It is the holidays, Christmas right around the corner. You don't know what to get that special someone in your life. Well, I am here to help. Give the gift that keeps on giving, the gift of a good night's rest. I'm talking about my pillow. I've told you it's changed my life. This is true. My fiance, now my wife, um, said, here, she's been sleeping on one of these for years. Got me one. I love it. I sleep much, much better, and I wake up without a neck ache. This is the offer that they have in time for the holidays. The lowest pricing MyPillow has ever offered. Buy one MyPillow. Get one absolutely free. Go to the MyPillow.com website. You need to use the promo code WAGNER. By the way, that promo code will also get you up to 50% off all items on the MyPillow website. That is at MyPillow.com. MyPillow comes with a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee. You really have nothing to lose. So just in time for the holidays, ho, 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 take advantage of MyPillow's very best offer. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the buy one, get one free special. Use the promo code WAGNER or call 800-953-4163. Ask for the buy one, get one free special. Again, be sure to use the promo code. It is my last name. Start sleeping better. It's my gift to you this holiday season. 247, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. And I acknowledge that that's, that's kind of a cop-out. I, I can't vote for the Democrat. Can't do it. At the same time, I, I just Roy Moore, I, I just think for a lot of reasons, I, I think he's a kook. I, I, I just do. And I, I can't in good conscience vote for that. I can just get frustrated at the choice and, and shake my head. I, I have no idea how that race is going to turn out, by the way. And I, I know there's polls that are all over the, the map. Uh, most polls now suggest that he, he's going to win by a close margin. Whether the Senate seats him is going to be another interesting story. Okay, let's switch gears completely. Um, I have been going to the Alpine Valley Music Theater since it opened up in the late 1970s. Um, I, back in the day, great, great, great venue. I can remember as a kid, it was kind of fun to go to. Um, over the years, uh, the venue really hasn't changed very much. The operators didn't put a lot of money into it. Um, and what's happened is the number of acts capable of filling big barns like that has decreased dramatically. More, you, you really have acts that are kind of divided into two ranges. You have the ones that are capable now of playing the stadiums. You know, you're putting you know fifty plus thousand people into into Miller Park or Wrigley Field or Target Field. I just got tickets to go see the Eagles and Jimmy Buffett at Target Field in June. So you've got the super mega acts that fill the stadiums, and then you have the acts that fill the, the smaller type of venues. But this 
these venues that seat 25, 30,000, kind of tough. You know, kind of tough. And there's all sorts of competition for Alpine Valley. Of course, you've got Summerfest. Um, you're going to have the, the new Bucks Arena, which is going to be there. You've got the various venues that are in Chicago. So you've got this whole dynamic that's going on. Alpine Valley did not operate this this year. And the, the story, I think, at first was, well, we're going to put all sorts of money into it. I, I'll be curious to see if they put any money into it. What really happened is Alpine Valley was down to only a couple acts that they were going to be able to get. And, it, and it's the same pretty much every year. You have um, you know, Jimmy Buffett. but and I, I mean, I go to see a Jimmy Buffett at Alpine Valley because I go to see Jimmy Buffett when I get a chance. But Buffett played at Wrigley Field. And the, the deal with Wrigley Field is he couldn't play other venues in the immediate area during the summer period of time. So he, he wasn't going to play there. Dave Matthews wasn't touring in the Midwest. Zach Brown played at Summerfest. And there really wasn't anything out there. So there, there weren't acts that Alpine Valley could book that could fill a venue that size. So they were closed this year. They said they were going to put all sorts of money into it. Again, I don't know if that's happened or not. But now they say they're going to be back, that they're going to be open again, and they're expecting a big summer season. Right, we've only got a couple minutes. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am glad to see that Alpine Valley is going to be reopening, I, I guess. I mean, I'm glad to see it because it gives, at least for a couple dates uh, a summer, you know, it gives people an opportunity to go and see some some shows. So I, I'm I'm happy with that. Long term, though, long term, color me extremely skeptical as whether to whether that venue is going to be able to make it in today's environment with you know more venues down in the Chicago area, the New Bucks Arena, Summerfest. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, and you know shows at Miller Park and things like that. You know Alpine Valley might be back for another year, but I, I think the handwriting is on the wall. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Time for a couple calls. Is Alpine Valley going to succeed? And I, again, I, I don't wish ill on, on any of these venues. And if there's a show I want to see, I'll go down there. But big picture. I think the glory days are over. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. I would only go back if it was like a bucket list band or someone I was really into because Alpine Valley is just really challenging to get to. It is. And three of the four times I was there, the the narcotics were so bad that um, (laughs) I was surprised they didn't have vendors walking down the aisle selling drugs. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for the call. Yes. What is that smell coming from the lawn? Well, I I mean, see... Back in the day, I did. I didn't mind. I didn't mind the fact that it was a dump. Back when I was twenty or twenty, you know, eighteen or twenty or twenty-five years old. As I get older, I get more persnickety, and and it's kind of a dump. And I'm 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 sorry. I I like dive bars. I'm that guy. But you're right. It's tough to get to. If it rains, the parking lot turns into a mud pit, and you end up getting stuck there. Um, don't even get me started on the bathrooms. 414-799-1620. Bob in Waterford. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. You know, when I read the article, I thought it was just great that it was going to open. But as I told your producer, you know, a buddy of mine is a sheriff out there, and he said the strain of the overtime that they got to pay to Walworth County 
just outweighs the, the benefits of the show being out there. In yeah. the 80s, that was my personal playground every weekend. I did more of the hard shows, the Monsters sure. of Rock, the OzFest and that. Um, but I know they wanted to do condos out there a couple years ago, and that fell through. But the promoters that have that right now, they, like you said, they use Tinley Park as the, probably their big one. Right. And with, with um, Wrigley Field doing shows, it's, it's, it's a demise there. It's an outdated venue. It's a beautiful venue, but it's so outdated. Right. And hard, and thanks for going, and hard to get to and hard to get out of, all those different things. One more call. Tom in Milwaukee. Tom, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Jeff, I feel the same way you, you do. I feel that it's kind of, we've seen, it's seen its day. We've seen the concerts in the 70s, 80s, and probably the 90s, but uh, it's kind of going to be gone. I, I, I think yeah. this, this next season depends if they put any money in there. If they don't, it's just like you just said. It's just a thing that uh, has had its uh, time and yeah, everything now, else. Right. Now, Tom, and keep in mind, I mean, you know, Summerfest, is revitalizing the Marcus Amphitheater. They're putting a ton of money into that, and that's not just going to be on Summerfest shows. I mean, um, one of the appeals of Alpine Valley is it's bigger than the Summerfest Amphitheater, so if you've got an act that thinks they can draw an extra five or 10,000 people, it's a little bit bigger. But there's not many of those acts that are out there, and once that Summerfest becomes the state-of-the-art facility, i got to believe that they're going to get most of the good concerts, not just during Summerfest, but during the rest of the season. Okay, 254, we come back, Melissa Barkley in once again for John McCure. We'll find out what she's got coming up on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.